labels. Have you been labeled by this world's system? It seems like each person I know has been classified with some psychological term. It's typical in the day and age in which we live. Let me ask you this today. If God were to slap a label on you, what is the label that he would give you? A little hint as we get into our passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. Down in verse 5, we are called sons of light, sons who belong to the classification of light, and sons of the day. Aren't you ready for a new label, the one that comes from God? A buddy and I were shooting hoops on one side of a full-length basketball court at a local park. Four older young men occupied the other half of the court. Uh, They played for a while and then privately huddled on the grass. Being uh, 10 years old and curious, uh, you might prefer the word nosy, I eavesdropped on their conversation. Uh, As it turned out, they were planning to rob a home. Just, I found out later on, down the street from where I both lived and by the park. Uh, Unfortunately, I heard days later that a local home had been robbed. Uh, How sad. Uh, In today's text, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11, Paul speaks about a thief In the night, we see thief come up in verse 2 and verse 4. The term thief uh, refers to a sneak thief. Uh, Like these four juvenile delinquents who at the darkest time of night, while no one was home, broke in and stole from the homeowners. This is what will happen to those in the tribulation when Jesus returns that second time. It'll happen unexpectedly, unexpectedly. Now, let me give you some focus questions as, uh, again, you're turning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Number one, who will not escape the tribulation? Question two, how should children of light live knowing the times and seasons? And then thirdly, as sons of light, what is our responsibility to fellow believers? 1 Thessalonians 5, let me read you our text, verses 1 through 11. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. 
But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for our studies in First Thessalonians. And our last time together, considering the rapture of the church, the imminent return of Christ, when he comes back for believers at the end of the church age, and he takes us to be home, and thus we will always be with the Lord. I pray now as we make this transition to that future time frame, the day of the Lord, that we would learn valuable truths from the timeless word of God. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Beginning in verse 1, but concerning the times and seasons. You observe a transition occurs, noted by the two words, but concerning. We had the same two words from the Greek back in chapter 4, verse 9, introducing a new topic. And then it speaks here of the times and seasons. When these terms are coupled, as we have in Acts chapter 1 in verse 7, They refer to a future time, end time events, the rapture, the tribulation, or the day of the Lord, the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation, then the millennial kingdom, that thousand year rule and reign with the king, and then the new Jerusalem. So that's how these two terms refer to the future. We have times. We get our English word chronology from this particular word. It's a period or duration of time. And then uh, a more difficult word to translate into English, seasons. It means here a season in the sense of a period of time where there might be an opportunity. For instance, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, as we therefore have opportunity, see it's kairos, a season, let us do good to all men. Paul now, again showing the transition of topic, addresses them as brethren, as he did in the beginning of chapter 4 and verse 13. And then he makes a statement, first a negative one, and it just means when I say negative, the word no is there. And then he says basically the same thing, positively he says at the end of verse one you have no need that i should write to you the missionaries paul and silas and then later timothy adequately had trained these saints in end time events called eschatology a study of the last days paul thoroughly schooled them concerning the rapture, the imminent return of Christ, the tribulation, and on and on. So they know these things well. Now stated positively here in verse 2, for you yourselves know perfectly. The word for gives us the reason why Paul did not need to write uh, to them about these things because they already knew it. And then he says emphatically here, observe the words, you yourself, then what? No. And then he adds 
the adverb perfectly. The idea of circumspectly. The term here, perfectly, first occurs in Matthew chapter 2 in verse 8. Do you recall when the wise men come and meet Herod the Great? And what does Herod tell them to do? Go and search carefully for the child because Herod pretended he wanted to worship the infant. In actuality, he wanted to kill King Jesus because he feared the competition. The word is used there of making a diligent search. And also in Luke chapter 1 and verse 3, having had perfect writes Luke, understanding of all things from the very first. Luke had done his research, so he had a thorough understanding. So what Paul is expressing as he is reminding the Thessalonians, they already know these things. And then he says, what things? That the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in a night. The day of the Lord refers to Revelation chapter 6 through 19. There will be a literal seven-year period after the rapture. The rapture is when the saints are taken to heaven. This is church-age saints. And we are immediately transformed in a moment, in the blink of an eye, to the image of Christ. How great will that day be? There could be a period of time in between the rapture and the tribulation because the tribulation officially commences with the Antichrist, a man of sin, making a covenant, literally cutting a covenant with the nation of Israel. And during that seven-year period, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowl judgments, and even in the beginning of the tribulation, over half the world's population is wiped out quickly. This is the period that he's referring to here, the day of the Lord. Now, let me describe more fully the day of the Lord to you. Uh, turn with me to the book of Amos. Amos gives a brief but apt description of this period of time. Twice, we're going to see the word darkness used because this is a time when the Lord's wrath will be poured out on the earth. Amos chapter 5, verse 18. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord, for what good is a day of the Lord to you? It will be, and here's your term, darkness and not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion, imagine that, and a bear met him. Or as though he went into the house, leaned his hand on the wall after escaping these animals, and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord, second time here, darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? In the book of Isaiah, we won't turn there in chapter 61 and then again in chapter 63. It's a day of God's vengeance. The day of God's vengeance. So this day is going to come upon the unsaved as a thief in the night back here in first Thessalonians five thief in the night only occurs in the context in the Bible of the day of the Lord here in first Thessalonians five and first Peter three ten. You see the unsaved during the tribulation will not be expecting or even looking for 
the return of Christ at the end of the tribulation. Notice, though, the leaders, the world leaders are blowing smoke. It's smoke and mirrors. Verse 3, for when they say peace and safety. Uh, when they say, it's a present tense verb. They keep on saying peace. Here speaking of an inner peace. Safety of an outer protection. Then, see, at that time, at that moment, sudden destruction comes upon them sudden the adjective means sudden unexpected not anticipated uh, the term is used in luke chapter 21 34 but take heed to yourselves lest your heart be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and cares of this life and that they come on you here's a term unexpectedly be cautious as children of God, we need to be watchful, as we'll see in a moment. Because what comes upon these individuals who don't care about the Lord, are not looking for his return, destruction, it means ruin. It's not annihilation. Uh, the term is used in 1 Corinthians 5.5 5 about a disobedient saint, that his flesh was dedicated to destruction, ruin. Because all people will spend a conscious eternity somewhere, either in the lake of fire or in the new Jerusalem. It happens upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. We, we can know, generally speaking, with a full-term birth, it goes about nine months, but when will those labor pains come? You never, ever know for sure. That's how this destruction will come upon the ungodly. And observe the word here, they. See, Paul's not speaking to the saints. He's talking about the unsaved. And they shall not escape. And here, shall not escape is the may construction. We call it emphatic negation. No way they're going to get out of it. There's no possible escape for them. The first time the word escape is used is Luke 21, 36. Jesus says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the son of man. The writer of Hebrews very interestingly pens in Hebrews 2, 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So point number one, the unsaved will not escape the tribulation. They will not. Now we're going to see a transition with point number two. Vigilantly walk with God as children of light. Verses 4 to 10. First two words are key in verse four to show the transition occurring. But you, you is placed first in the Greek sentence for emphasis. And then he says, brethren, he wants the Thessalonian saints to know he's specifically speaking to them. See you in contrast to them and they, and he says, you are not in darkness. What was the day of the Lord twice called from Amos 5, 18 to 20? Darkness. He says, you are not in darkness. Remember when Jesus 
gives us the Sermon on the Mount. The saints are told that they are salt and that they are what? Light. And that they need to let their lights shine brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not in darkness. Even when Jesus picked his 12, one of them would be a traitor. One of them would have never known personally the son of man. Never had been born again. His name is Judas. He's called the son, the son who belongs to the category of perdition or destruction. He betrays the Lord and at the washing of the feet at the Passover. When Satan enters Judas, seemingly to totally take him over, the language of John is so picturesque because in John 13, 30, it says, and it was night continuous action in past time when judas walked away from the lord is as if satan totally took him over and it was perpetually night we're not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief thieves love the cover of darkness to ply their trade these saints would not enter the tribulation And we've talked about that going back to chapter 1 and verse 10. We're going to see again momentarily. But they needed to be vigilant. Whether you're looking for the rapture, okay, child of God, the blessed hope, the glorious appearing uh, that is referred to in Titus 2.13. Or if you get saved in the tribulation, you know, for those later on who heed the witness of the 144,000 evangelists, Revelation 7, or the two witnesses of Revelation 11, or even from the angel who is flying across the sky, Revelation 14, and preaching the everlasting gospel. Those saints at that time would need to look for the second coming of Jesus Christ as depicted in Revelation 19. But we need to be watchful. Observe the word all in verse 5. Paul writes, you are all see none of us have an excuse my brother and sister in christ we are all sons of light and sons of the day a hebraism to be a son of light you're the son who belongs into the category of light or you're the son who belongs to the category of day. You know, we live in a day and age where everybody slaps a label upon someone else. And so often we so readily accept labels. If you want to be categorized, I would suggest you be categorized as the scripture says, a son of light. Okay, I'm in the light. I have no excuse when it comes to walking with the Lord. He's given me everything that I need He has been so faithful to me. I'm now in the category of being in the light and God can complete what he starts in me. So important here. See, you, it's emphatic in verse five, are all, and what are you? Sons of light and sons of the day. See, when Paul writes to the Corinthians who had their troubles, He calls them carnal. At times, they lived like mere men. What is it that he writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 51? Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, a euphemism for death, but we shall all be changed. 
So Paul says here, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not. Notice how Paul includes himself here, the first person plural. We are not of the night nor of darkness. You're in First Thessalonians. Just flip back for just a moment to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Notice the beauty of what happens when we are born again from Colossians 1 down here in verse 13. It says, he has delivered us from the power of what? Darkness. See, from the clutches of Satan, from the power of darkness and conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. That's why Paul preached the gospel. Acts 26, 18, why? To turn people from the darkness to the light. To bring them from being in the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. And the moment you enter the kingdom of God, as Jesus had told Nicodemus, that you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. At that instant, right then, the spirit of God takes up residence in you. Having believed, we're told in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Spirit himself takes up residency, puts his mark of ownership upon us. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we are given a profound truth. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In essence, you are given a new capacity. Spirit of God has taken up residency in your heart. And now because of his indwelling and because of the filling of the spirit where he is enabling us to have controlled lives, we can now have victory continually because of the residency of the Holy Spirit. The old has passed away. And the new has come. And this is why when, when Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 4 and the Colossians in chapter 3, he uses such terms as put off the old and put on the new. Why? There's a new capacity. We don't have to live the way we did at one point. Because now we are sons of light and sons of the day. Therefore, back here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, it says, let us not. Sleep. The word therefore shows a conclusion, but it's based on the previous information. See, because of the sons of the light that we now are, we are not to sleep. I don't believe this is a reference here to physical sleep, although the term can be used this way in the scripture. And it is used that way first in Matthew 8 in verse 24 of physical sleep. But here it's a reference to spiritual indifference stated otherwise it's pointing us to being a child of god but not attentive to the things of the lord let me walk you through two passages briefly first one is ephesians chapter 5 the reminder of who we were and now who we are in ephesians 5 8 for you were once darkness Continually in the darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And here's the command, child of God, walk as children of light. 
Then as you transition down in this passage in verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. And now in verse 14, therefore, he says, awake you who what? Who sleep. Who are spiritually indifferent. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Child of God, we need to be vigilant. We need to be looking for the imminent return of Christ. We need to be walking with the Almighty. So that when Jesus comes back for us, we're ready. Now the second passage is Romans chapter 13. Moving to your left over to the book of Romans chapter 13. Verses 11 through 13. See, we're picking up on his concept of sleep, but spiritual indifference. Romans 13, verse 11. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is time to awake what? Out of sleep. He's writing to the saints. He's basically saying, wake up. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. In essence... We've come to know Christ, and the completion of that salvation process is getting near. Why? Because Jesus is coming back soon. Verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us, see children of God, cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in a day. Not in reverie and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on. Remember what I referred to before? The Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So, in chapter 5, verse 6, 1 Thessalonians, let us not sleep as others do, the unsaved referring back to them even in chapter 4 and verse 13, but now positively stated, but let us watch and be sober. To watch comes from the Greek word that gives us the name Gregory, to be watchful, and then also to be sober. The word watchful, Matthew 24, 42, Jesus says, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. That's referring to the second coming. Same concept, though. And to be sober. When you put these two terms together, 1 Peter 5.8, concerning our need to be watchful. Why? Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Then in verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Now, sleep and drunk, I don't believe are taken literally here again, but metaphorically. It's describing sleep to be passive or spiritually indifferent. And then even for children of God, we can be so far from God. If we're not walking in the Spirit then what's controlling us? Often the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and pride of life. Even in 1 John, John had to write to the saints there and say, stop doing these things. The idea of being drunk is aggressive in our sin. Don't be this way, child of God. Verse 8 says, but let us who are of the day be sober. And we need to put some things on. 
the breastplate of faith and love and a, as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Notice the triad, faith, hope, and love. You put on. It's like putting on the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6, 11. The breastplate of faith and love. The term breastplate occurs five times from the Greek New Testament. There was a covering over you that was very important. It covered the body from the neck to the thighs, and it had two pieces, so it also covered the back. That's the breastplate. But it's called the breastplate of faith. We need to walk by faith, as it says back in Isaiah 59, 17, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. May I encourage you to take the word of God to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. We need to walk in this life by faith, trust in the hand of the invisible God over this world system that is deceptive, that wants us to move us away from God. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not sight. And then also here, we need to walk in what? In love. And our love motivates us not to sin. We don't want to have a separation, a division between us and God. We don't want to have to continually go back to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. We want to remain in the light. And then we also have as a helmet, the hope of salvation. I love the expression hope. And then we have of salvation, an objective genitive. In essence, our hope is based upon history, that Jesus came, that he led a perfect life, he died for our sins, and that he was raised from the dead. So our hope is not a feckless hope. It's a hope in historical truth concerning who Christ is. And when we are promised that he who has begun a good work in us will complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1, 6, we see we have the hope of salvation that Christ will complete what he has started in us. First Thessalonians five twenty four in essence says that he who has called you will be faithful to fulfill what he has called you to do. God, to love it. And then in verse 9, remember, child of God, we are not appointed to wrath. In Revelation six seventeen, the tribulation is called a period of wrath. We are to look for the Son, 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, who delivers us from the wrath to come. We will not enter the tribulation. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10 gives us the promise that we will be kept from the hour of trial that will come upon the whole world. That is the tribulation. We're not appointed to wrath. And may I say even wrath being eternal damnation. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. We will escape both the tribulation and eternal damnation. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, he's faithful the moment you believed in christ ephesians 1 13 and 14 again he gives us a deposit the arabon the term was used of an engagement ring in essence the holy spirit of god is within us 
which is the pledge, the promise that Christ is going to come back and complete the deal. We can take heart in that. How do we have confidence in Christ? Well, think about what he's done for us in verse 10, who died for us. That substitutionary atonement, you deserve death and eternal separation from God. Jesus came in time at the perfect time, as we're told in Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. See, he died for us. And I love the expression here that whether we wake or sleep, whether we are vigilant or not we should live together with him all children of god in the church age will be raptured when christ comes back yes those who have been faithful will receive reward others will have some shame we learned that from first john 2 28 and first corinthians 3 11 through 15 but we should live together with him so let's review briefly the first two points and i'll then touch on a third point The ungodly will not escape tribulation. They will not. We saw, second of all, vigilantly walk with God as children of light. We just have gone through that. Now, number three, continue to encourage and build up each other. Continue to encourage and build up each other. That's verse 11. We have an inferential conjunction. It's tying together what is said before with the conclusion. Therefore, comfort each other and what else? And edify one another. Their commands, by the way, keep on comforting each other. Keep on building one another up. Child of God, when you know someone is suffering, go to them. Encourage them. Build them up. Tell them to stay in the game. We need to finish the race that is set before us. As Paul concludes here, he says, just as you also are doing. It's a wonderful thing. As he writes to these saints, they are already doing these things, but he says, stay with it. So what have we learned today? Point one, the ungodly will not escape tribulation. There's a lot of wickedness in the world in which we live. There's a lot of promotion of sin. I just want you to understand that when people reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, they will be held accountable. And then we are to be vigilant and we are to walk with God as children of light. Don't imitate the sons of this age, the sons of disobedience. You are a son of light. You are a son of the day. Walk in that light as we are commanded in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. And then at the end of the day, when Christ comes back for us, you will be richly rewarded for your faithfulness. And forever is a long time. So the brief and momentary sacrifices we make now will pale in comparison to what we can enjoy forever and then this is such an important point of application continue to encourage and build up each other we will see as we transition to our next passage 5 12 through 22 that we have those that are weak among us those who struggle in a christian life those who are maybe not as strong as you are we need to come alongside we need to comfort we need to edify them so we can all finish this journey 
together. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We really appreciate the wisdom that is shared with us. Thank you that we will not enter this tribulation period, those of us who know you. Thank you so very much that we can walk now as sons of light and sons of the day and have the privilege to encourage our brothers and sisters to finish the race strong. And I thank you in Jesus' name.